One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined by uh, a, a, a legend of the music industry who also happens to be on the Chelsea board, Barbara Sharon. She's yeah. written Access All Areas uh, book with so many incredible names from Great the world stories. of music. Yeah. Great stories. So we spoke to her and talked a bit of Chelsea and her new role. Um, we also spoke to Martin Kellner. He gave us his week of sport on TV. Unfortunately, he did, yeah. Um, Mike would not with us today, so he couldn't give you the non-sporting stuff. But we had a bit of a chat and um, other stuff besides. So here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Paul. I'm looking forward to meeting Barbara. Barbara for about 25 years. Of course you have. You've Pardon, seen her. Have we? Really? Maybe very in the She's, early days of the show, maybe. She's yeah, been in the studio a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, maybe, maybe in the early. It's good, so a good long time anyway. Well, that's, <laughs> it, was, it was about twenty years. The ago. book's brilliant, though. It is. It? It's I mean, really, it's just, really, really. I mean, really every fun. page, yes, sir. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, in lesser hands, its name drops keep falling on your head. But she's worked with all of these <laughs> all people. Genuine. She's worked with every one of them. She's got a story to tell. So. But on the Keith Richard front, there's some amazing stuff there. And um, mm. Andy had to step up and uh, take over from Barbara and uh, and Sons on, on Chelsea Radio, the early days of Chelsea, when they were both a bit tired and emotional yeah. on air. <laughs> That's very true. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. It was the role, first day of role I mean, at the club. Anyway, um, Ollie Pope, who's playing in the Test match, it's a, yeah. it's a first this. He'll have a camera on his helmet fielding a f- short leg. I've oh, seen... has he? Have we, have we seen any footage from it yet? Well, I, I haven't seen it, but apparently, it. yeah. What's left is box cam. That's it. There's nothing else left. Is what there? would box cam be like? <laughs> if you get a direct hit, you could feel their <laughs> pain. Good. Be like when it hits the stumps. If you've got any more ideas for where sort of GoPros and cameras uh, could work in sport, and yeah. you know, not be too—I mean, you can't have one on the forehead of a Andy Carroll, can you? <laughs> Camera gets smashed, and he could injure himself. Well, but we are true. looking for, yeah, okay. Well, tell us if you think other things, <laughs> other people that could be sort of cameraed up in the world of sport. But it'll be interesting to see, especially in that position. Yeah, how frightening it is if uh, it's well, not it's... a particularly great ball and it's just aimed at you. That's very from true. About four yards. Oh, that's not very nice, that tea. Never mind. Uh, a swarm of bees had to be removed from Wimbledon yesterday. Yeah. Personally, I'd rather just let them run free. <laughs> <laughs> well, haven't I got everybody in the debenture seats, would you? Yeah, Attack of the... You didn't let them out, did you? <laughs> Can I first apologise for my slightly uh, croaky voice? I think it um, sounds quite rather nice. I've, um, I'm sorry I have a cold, and it seems to have developed. It's not, I've, I've had a couple of tests. It's not, it's not 
the COVID. No. Well, no, uh, no, it I is mean, very much know. just a cold, but um, it's a stinker. It's been hanging around it's like for a, a week. couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, on the Friday? The Not good. Thing, so yeah. apologies. We we uh, we soldier on. You, you can't sound, let you people sound, down at the last minute. No, you don't you, sound really? too bad, actually. Is um, uh, a lesser. Oh. So Andy, tell oh, us yeah. um, earlier on. You, you, I've got no idea why you suddenly did it. You sat down in the studio and you <laughs> said which phrase? Uh, cup of tea, butter bun, three and three. <laughs> I, honestly, it's something I've been saying for about. I'd say 60 years. Right. I can't actually, no, maybe 50 years, but I can't actually remember why I said it. So I've actually sent my mate a text yeah. saying to him, bit of a mad show-related question, can you remember where this came from? Right. It was some calf that we used to go. It's a bit like 175. It's, it's a bit. One so you go to a calf and you'd have a cup of tea, a buttered bun, and three it came and three. three and three. Which is, how much is three and three? Well, uh, about 15 pence, was it? <laughs> three shillings, three and three, about yeah. 15.1p. <laughs> Or Marvelous, something like that. It? It's been a long time since decimalisation. <laughs> well, there's more tea being brought in. But I honestly get so upset about his cup of tea. Thank you. You can remove that one. Thank that's you very you much. can remove that. <laughs> you can remove that. I think that's, that's your great, terrible peppermint tea that you have. Oh, okay. I do apologize. I'm on the on the lemon and ginger. Do yeah, keep the voice holding up for either, three to hours? To be really honest, so, this text yeah. though fascinated me. Uh, always great when people start a text or a letter with this. Has anyone noticed uh, that the grass doesn't look as green as usual at Wimbledon? Says Stuart and Jeff. Yeah, in no, Canada. they haven't. I wouldn't no, open with it, mate. No. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even got that from. Well, Andy, the Tottenham shopping spree continues. Oh yeah, so pleased to hear it. Are you delighted for us? <laughs> very All delighted. the years I've had to sit no, here yeah, while you willfully that. spend cash, I was and we it's don't. A complete reversal. You're yeah. going into the season with this wonderful squad, mm. a bit like I felt last summer that we were going to really challenge for the league, and yeah. I think we might have done if. Lukaku had come off and uh, yeah. Chilwell and got injured, but that's not the point. So for you, it's the, it's that, and I can't begrudge you because it's true over well, many, you can, many. I'm sure no, you I will. can't. I can't. From that point of view, <laughs> I can't because for many years you've had to sort of sweat till August the thirty first. Daniel Levy doing a five to twelve this year. Got them yeah. all in early, and let's be honest. More to come. Jed Spence apparently edging third, ever closer. They're going to be third minimum, and I think they can challenge. Oh, I mean, there's a, a fair few players that you've got to integrate, which uh, which is all yeah. Not, it takes a bit easy. of time, but he won't he won't do that. He'll he'll start off with his you know the team he's got, and he'll yeah. he'll gradually and he'll see who does well in preseason. I I've got full faith in Antonio Conte, I and mean, I think it was one of Abramovich's major mistakes that he made not backing him and Daniel Levy learnt from that and has decided to back him and I think you'll reap the benefits I do feel for uh, Evertonians though it's a club I've got a bit of a soft spot for I used to go mm. and watch with my mate as I've said before uh, over the years certainly in the early uh, <laughs> in the early 90s late 80s and it's a great club it's a big club and it's a shame they've got to the point where they have to offload players just to balance the books. I mean, yeah, it, this, I mean, this, this regime yeah. has not been Having beaten them four times in four years and we got them first day of the season, I've got no sympathy to be really OK, honest. well, you've got maybe less skin in the game than I have. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. We've been joined in the studio by uh, Barbara Sharon, a music mm. industry legend, I think it's fair to say, her uh, autobiography is at Access All Areas, a backstage pass through 50 years of music and Culture and that is not an empty boast, is it, Andy? No, uh, definitely not. Barbara's worked with everybody, um, and and she's now on the Chelsea board. We'll, we'll come on to the football later on. She's a huge Chelsea fan. Good to see you, Barbara. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I'm lovely to see you. Yeah. So, um, I just maybe go back to the beginning. How did you get involved in the music industry? Well, I loved music. Uh, grew up in America in Chicago, kind of worshiping at the throne of everything British. Um, you know, James Bond movies, Hard Day's Night, Man from Uncle. 
the British invasion. Your car. <laughs> yeah, and I had yeah. a mini. <laughs> right. A, an orange mini Metro. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just embraced it all. Um, and, of course, when the Beatles invaded America, so to speak, uh, I was just ready for it. We had kind of rubbish groups like Paul Revere and the Raiders and <laughs> Peter, Paul, and Mary. And, yeah. you know, suddenly there was, like, the Beatles and the Who and the Stones and the Kinks. So, mm. uh, But I always... Um, I always loved music, and uh, I started writing for my high school paper about uh, music mostly. And then um, at a concert, kind of accosted the uh, critic for the Chicago Sun-Times and said, I want to do what you do when I grow up. Mm. And he was like, oh, if you have any ideas, send them in. And, of course, like two days later, I wrote a piece um, on James Taylor uh, and sent it in, and it got published straight away. Wow. So I was like, this is so easy. <laughs> but, you know, senior byline, it was addictive. And um, mm. one thing led to another. I did a year of university in London and uh, was writing articles for the Chicago Sun-Times and then started to write for NME. Mm. There used to be four weekly music papers in the UK, three TV stations, four music papers. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, <laughs> It was it was great, and then I'm as soon as I graduated university, moved to London. You're quite a hedonistic lifestyle. You wrote about <laughs> that in the book a lot. I mean, obviously you're changing now, but <laughs> obviously it was part, being part of the music industry of that time, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it was there was an um, I think it was an age of innocence, really, uh, amidst all the carnage. Mm. Uh, everybody was, you know, the music business didn't really exist. The whole thing was just kind of learning as we went along and mm. um it became a huge industry obviously but um yeah i mean you used to go to press receptions and there would you could go to a press reception at lunchtime um early afternoon and in the evening basically eat and drink for free all day and it wasn't just beer and wine i mean they had like people were drinking double brandies at 12 o'clock yeah <laughs> not me of course no. but the i mean have those days gone barbara there are those days of giving the record company plastic some hammer and uh, you know going in there and laying down the credit card and in a word yes yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i guess you were probably going to say but that but there's still you know there's still receptions and mm. um launches um, and it, it's still good, but no, it isn't like, I mean, those days were, um, you know, it's kind yeah. of crazy. And you've kind of made some, we'll talk about Madonna a little bit later on, because that's someone you were in the very start of their career, but you, you kind of befriended the Stones and especially yeah, Keith, Keith Richard, didn't you? You were kind of, you two became mates, but in sort of quite unlikely circumstances, he was holed up in Toronto on a, on a drugs charge. Yeah, I was, um, when I worked for Sounds, the first, uh, assignment I had, was to write a big, uh, do an interview with Keith Richards. I'd never met him before, never interviewed him before, and my whole kind of perception of rock and roll really changed. Um, I kind of wrote in the article, when Keith Richards walks in the room, rock and roll walks in after him, which I still <laughs> think is a really good line, and and true. Uh, so I wrote, I interviewed him more than once on more than several occasions, and uh, eventually asked if I could do a book on him, and he said yes, uh, and the first thing they were doing when I was doing the book was the only thing they were doing that year was playing live in Canada. Mm. So I flew um, flew to Canada, to Toronto, to um, watch the shows and start the book. And, of course, by the time I arrived, he'd been arrested. And it, it kind of set up the framework for the book uh, in a way which was 
which was good. And also, it was a really great bonding experience because mm. he did have to stay there. And we in um, the Harbor Castle Hotel. When we arrived, the lake was frozen, and when we left, it had melted. <laughs> Interesting in the book that there's no index. I always think books like this, people, all these famous people like checking out whether yeah, they're in there straight away. What you, you said about me. Did you clear any of it? Did you think, was this Waltz and Or? Did you say, look, I'm going to tell that story. Do you mind? Oh, well, I mean, the publisher obviously had a lawyer mm. look at it. And um, for the artists that figure more than others in the book, I sent it obviously to their management. Mm. But, um, you know, I think the book is really about me when, um, when the news first broke the tabloid said i was going to spill the beans in typical tabloid fashion <laughs> spill the beans on all my famous clients and that really couldn't be further from the truth mm. the only beans i spill are on myself and perhaps my drug use or alcohol use but um yeah i mean i think any book that's good is about the person that writes it yeah. and that's what's really interesting you know how a kid from chicago who loved music ended up moving to london and Mm. working with all these famous people. And, and I think also the thing that comes across crystal clear is how much I love music. Mm. Definitely. And also switching from writing to PR is a kind of poacher turned gamekeeper in a way, isn't it? So what brought that about? Well, when I uh, after I wrote the Keith Richards book, um, I needed a job and I didn't want to go back to working uh, on a music paper. I freelanced for about a year and I owed the bank 10,000 pounds. And when I started at Warner Brothers, my salary was 8,000 pounds. So uh. I was thinking of suing the bank at one point <laughs> for giving me the overdraft because I could kind of talk anyone into anything, which was very, very beneficial to my career as a PR. The the Madonna story is in it because I said you're right in at the very start of, of her career and the first couple of singles did not do very well, did they? People don't realise that, but Holiday was the sort of breakout single. So that must have been great to be this kind of huge uh, music phenomenon that you were there at the very start of. Yeah, it's very exciting when you work with someone like that mm. and they just, and it explodes. And she also was, uh, happened in England before America. You know, she she played around that time of the single that, started to happen in the first two singles played in Camden at the Camden Palace. She did a 20-minute set. And then the next time she played in London, she played Wembley Stadium in front of like 100,000 people. Yeah. And that will just never be replicated. No one's going to ever do that. You know, there was no in-between mm. with her. She just went straight to Wembley Stadium. Wow. I mean, you, I've only got mm. two questions about Madonna. Have you ever taken her to football? And are we signing David Bander? <laughs> yeah, well, two very good questions. <laughs> no, and uh, who knows? Yeah. I actually, um, <clears throat> there was a reception and uh, a launch in, in L.A. when and that, one of her albums came out, when music came out, and I took uh, Dominic Mohan from The Sun, and I had got a, a little uh, Chelsea shirt that said Rocco to bring as a gift. Mm. And as we were about to go say hi to Madonna, Dominic went, can I say the son gave that to her? And I was like, sure. And the <laughs> next day on the front page was Madonna with this tiny little Chelsea shirt that said Rocco. Yeah. Um, have you taken them to games? Have you taken no. them? You, you, don't tend, you don't mix your football with your, your professional life, really. No, I've seen Mark Ronson at football a couple of times because his dad has seats near me. Yeah, yeah. that's mad Chelsea fan. Yeah. 
And go, Mick goes to the foot. Mick Jagger, he likes a game of football. Is he Does he go and watch Chelsea? I've seen yeah. him at games. He prefers cricket, but I've seen him at football mm. now. And again. I've seen him at Lords, but not, not at Chelsea. Not at okay. football, no. And uh, although Suggs, of course, that's a crossover between Chelsea and, and music, and you were behind the song Blue Day, weren't you? Yeah. Um, Suggs had just, I was working at Warner Brothers, and Suggs had just uh, signed us as a solo artist. He had, Madness was on a little bit of a vacation and um a guy called Mike Canaris uh sent me the song Blue Day and said he thought it was perfect for Suggs. You know, it was when the old days when all the teams that were in the FA Cup final did made, a song, yeah. Yeah, made yeah. records and I remember Root Hill it wouldn't let them go on top of the pops, which you know, I think the single would have had been even higher in the chart. <laughs> That's a strange if, thing. If, yeah. yeah. Dennis Denial. Wise was all for it. But um <laughs> but that was like for me, such a thrill because we went to training and shot a video for the song, and that uh, we had them in the studio recording the song on a Sunday. Uh, and when they left, Suggs and I just sat there with a the beer, like mm. two Chelsea fans in heaven. Yeah, and you're still looking after so many of the people that that you did originally. You know, you're kind of still with them, aren't you? Yeah, no, it's great. I set up my own um, uh, PR company with Moira Bellis uh, about twenty two years ago, mm. even though it doesn't seem like that. Um, and, yeah, there's lots of artists that um, we've worked with for a really long time, Elvis Costello, Robert Plant, uh, Keith, Madonna, obviously. Yeah, so. and uh, Elvis Costello's written the uh, the forward to he the book. He calls you a misguided fan of Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, we speak so much about football um, during the season, he could write a great book on football. His emails, if I published them, would I think the book would be a huge hit. Uh, but yeah, he's a massive Liverpool fan. And do you, do you need to enjoy the music? I mean, do you, when you take an artist on or you're working with an artist, I mean, there's probably been bands. It's probably not your cup of tea, is it? Sometimes. Uh, mostly, I re I listen to the music, and if I um, no, if I really didn't like it, I wouldn't do it. Right. I mean, our roster is very schizophrenic. Like we have Metallica. Mark Ronson and Ali Mers, to name but three. And, you know, you couldn't get a more disparate threesome if you oh. tried. And I think that's really good because variety is is a great thing, obviously, in work. And um, But, but um, no, I, I listen to everything that we're, we're sent. Man. She said diplomatically. Yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> and you can take Ali Mers to football, but he'll be yeah. cheering Manchester United. That's right. I've actually been to football with Ali. Yeah, yeah. Luckily for me, Chelsea always wins. So, <laughs> and because there's so many great names and sort of top stars in the book, you know, it's had a, it's had a lot of good press, isn't it? It's been picked up by a lot of the newspapers who've who've taken uh, excerpts from it. Yeah, and also I'm I'm really pleased. Everyone seems to really enjoy it, and I think it's also really funny. Mm. No, it's a lot of fun. It is. Essay. And you it's talk about page, being so. a football fan in it, and we'll chat about that. Yeah, we will. Because Barbara Sharon's with us. We're going to chat a little bit more. A book is Access All Areas, uh, Backstage Pass Through 50 Years of Music and Culture. It's published by White Rabbit Books, and it's available uh, now. Uh, but Barbara's also uh, on the board, the new Chelsea regime. And uh, we'll be finding out a little bit more about that very shortly. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We're chatting to Barbara Sharon who is uh, a music PR, former music journalist, and her book, Access All Areas, is uh, available now. We've been chatting about some of the stories in it. But as we said, Barbara's also not just a Chelsea fan. In this new regime, she finds herself on the board. So I suppose <laughs> we go back to the beginning, Barbara. When you when you moved from Chicago to London, um, were you a football fan? Did you even like football? I didn't even know about football, but I was a sports fan. I went to baseball 
in Chicago a lot with my dad, and even he dragged me to hockey and um, American football as well. Mm. But yeah, it's a and, big sports town. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, massive. And the first uh, four years that I lived in the UK, I didn't even know football existed. And when I left Sounds and wrote the book on Keith, uh, he let me use his house in uh, West Wittering to write it. He was in America. And um, I'd work all day and at night, you know, make dinner, have a glass of wine and watch TV. And the only thing on um, Wednesday night was midweek sports special. <laughs> it was that or cooking in Wales. So I opted for the <laughs> midweek sports special. And um, I just started to watch uh, football on that. Mm. And I think it was the towards the end of the season when I was there for a couple months. Um, and I lived on Sloan Street. And the nearest ground was Chelsea. So um, I guess the season... They were just going down, I think. They were always yo-yoing from the first and second division. So I started to go to football. And, um, you know, for about a year, I just dragged people out there that didn't really care but wanted to have a few beers at lunch. And then um, ha have had a season ticket since the early 80s. Wow. So I mean, completely obsessed. <clears throat> I don't, you know, some people just watch their team. Yeah. I watch every game. Uh, at you know, I, like I hate international weeks and yeah, you're a proper <laughs> like fan. Every club fan. I did say that at the time. You know that you are home and away. You are died in the wall fan. Well, no one of the greatest that. things that I do talk about a little bit in the book uh, that happened was when fantasy football started with uh, David Bedell and Frank Skinner. Mm. I was lucky enough, and I met Andy then to For some reason, I was in the green room quite a lot, and the green room was pretty happening. The first couple of years of that show, you would meet so many people. And it was such a great, it was like so new to have a kind of show about football with footballers and celebrities and just mm. everyone linked by the fact that they love football. Yeah. It's coming back, you know. Yeah. yeah I've seen the It's pilot. coming home. It's, it's, it's good. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing I wanted to ask you, actually, I was thinking about, you, you always go with friends and you've been everywhere with them. Are you still going to go with them or are you going to sit in the director's box? I think I'll probably sit in the director's box. Um but I'll also sit where I sat. Um, you know, I, I think hopefully that the team, the new team, will sit in various places and get to know as many people as they can. You know, um, Todd Bowley is, uh, I've been incredibly impressed by him. He's um, a real communicator. Uh, he's accessible. He's approachable. Um, you know, the first time I went to meet him at the Real Madrid home game, I was for some reason kind of like worried about what to wear. <laughs> and um, of course, you know, he's not hes not someone that uh, spends a lot of money, I don't think, on clothes. He's so much more just about football. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think he could come and sit with me in the Matthew Harding up and swear words he's never heard. Yeah, he'll learn some well, fantastically he, um, choice because, language. <laughs> because we couldn't buy tickets, it was only season ticket holders, he went with Danny Finkelstein to a game and sat, yeah. um, you know, in a normal seat. It's a good Danny, thing. To do, on the on the board as Lord Finkelstein, we should say, of course. But he's yeah. on the board as well. So how did that come about, Barbara? How did did did, did this phone call sort of come out the blue? Yeah, completely. Content? I was so I was so depressed, like all the Chelsea fans, when the um, club got frozen, and um, it was just such a low point uh, for everyone. And um, you know, it was just uh, hard to believe it was real. Yeah, I got a text in the middle of March saying from Danny saying, can you call me about Chelsea? So obviously I called straight away. Yeah. And um, he's friends with Jonathan Goldstein. And I spoke with John. He told me about the bid. I spoke with Jonathan, who works with Todd. 
And then I met Jonathan two days later, and we had a great chat. And after about 40 minutes, he said, we're announcing this tomorrow. And it was just game on. Right. And what, what what do they want from you, Barbara? What do you think you can bring to, to the table? What are they expecting from you as a, as a board member? Uh, the team to win. <laughs> you need to be in the dugout for that. But I mean, no, your PR I think experience, I think, is is incredibly useful. Yeah, and I think they're really just seriously looking for a voice of the fan mm. um, to have that balance. And also, I think that they're completely appreciative of, you know, myself and Danny. You know, I've, I've had a season ticket for, I think, 40 years now. And, you know, that's invaluable, that kind of experience mm. to have seen Chelsea through all the changes and to, to be a true fan. Mm. So uh, I think it's just going to... I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I mean, fans, I mean, you know, I was going to say, Andy, you know, fans maybe are still a little bit nervous because they don't know what's going on. They're waiting for signings. They're going to see what's going to happen next year. So I'd say it's going to be more communication from the board and from Todd Bowley to, yeah, to ab- the fans. absolutely. And, you know, the thing is just the fact that they got the sale over the line in what was two months. I mean, something that in a very complicated deal, something that would normally take a year probably or at least six months, eight mm. months. So step one done and, you know, each step at a time. Yeah, and they started late. You've got to be fair. They started later than everybody else. They couldn't do any deals. So and, you know, we've got a great hard. squad and we have a lot of great young players and, you know, the women's off. team's doing great. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's, it's a really exciting time. In the book, though, you write about two seminal moments, and they are for all Chelsea fans, Bolton 2005 and Munich 2012. The two greatest days of my life. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Despite this career in music, yeah. really, it's, still, it's still those. Oh, definitely. When we won the Champions League in Munich was the greatest yeah. day of my life. Yeah. My son said to me, we might as well stop going now. Never, <laughs> never better than this. He was right. My experience of the Champions League final but, you wasn't know, quite as good. When yeah. I started to go to Chelsea, I never thought I'd see us win the FA Cup. Mm. And, um, you know, I remember when we lost 4-0 to Man United in the Cup final after Gavin Peacock hit the post. And mm. the day started out all sunny. And when we left, it was pouring so with rain. T- it was yeah. disgusting. And so that was 94, I think. And you you know look at where we are now um mm. yeah it's amazing but winning the premier league at bolton i had seats behind they had a hotel there and i had some hospitality seat where we were just behind the goal behind a screen we had like dinner and drinks it was a 5:30 kickoff and i used to always bet on lampard to score the first goal mm. and he scored twice so like i made 200 quid or something <laughs> and we won the league <laughs> Got to be good. <laughs> and the stadium was the other thing, of course, that I'm sure you know the, the fans will be interested in, in knowing about because there are options, things that can be done. But um, because, you know, f- for Chelsea to compete ongoing, you need more people in that ground, don't you? Yeah, and also it's, you know, it needs, lot, needs work done. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think in an ideal world, we would stay there and do it stand by stand. But a lot of that remains to be seen. Mm, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Well, so it's going to be see. a good experience being in... I mean, I'm sure you've been in the director's box once or twice before. I mean, there was a period, but not that long ago, Cameron Brady's talked about it. They wouldn't have let women into the boardrooms of football clubs. Well, the other thing, aside from being a fan, of course, is having a woman on the board mm. is absolutely fantastic. And I think they were also... They wanted um, to put the two fan voices on the board, but also they wanted a female too. So um, I think that's great. Yeah, I was going to say, I can ask your favourite music artist, but as you said, diplomatically, that'd make it very difficult, <laughs> wouldn't it? Really? Well, my favourite artist at the moment of the 
uh, people I work with in, in general is probably the Foo Fighters. Okay. You know, people always say, is Dave Grohl really that nice? And yeah. the answer is yes. He does come across as a very good mm. lad, doesn't he, always? Actually, the guitarist, Chris, in the Foo Fighters is a massive Arsenal fan. I've taken oh, him right. to Chelsea. Oh, okay. Keep beating You learn us. something every no, day. I'd, just, I'd love to see uh, Keith Richards in the Chelsea boardroom. They're playing Hyde Park on Sunday. Oh, yeah, so. of course. That's right. Yeah. Well, Barbara, we wish you well with the book. Thank you very yeah, thanks much. Thanks very much for coming in. It's called Access All Areas. And honestly, you know, there's barely a band that doesn't get a mention or an artist that doesn't get a mention along the way with a, a, a fine story attached. We only really scratched the surface. So, you know, on uh, sale in the club shop. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, you can start doing that. Thanks <laughs> pulling your weight. I'll have a word. <laughs> Move all the new kits over. <laughs> and stick a window of books in the mega store. That's a good idea. And it's published by uh, White Rabbit Books and is available now. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. I was fascinated by this text to uh, the star this morning. Oh, uh, Brian in Aberystwyth. He oh, says, yeah, uh, Brian. He Never says, heard of him. <laughs> no, me neither. He says, uh, which is quite relevant, really, when you see what he writes. Mac- McCartney was never up to anything. The Beatles were overrated. God, His songs blimey. are kid stuff, glorified nursery rhymes. I'm thinking, well, let's, 03717. Look, yeah, let's look a look at the facts. Here's a bloke who's written some of the best songs of the 20th century. Oh, and you're a man who writes the star text maniacs. Brian, well done. Brian would be a <laughs> great shock jock, wouldn't he, with stuff like that? He'd put that out there, the yeah, phones sure, would light up. Tremendous. Yeah, Wait, why not? Oh, dear. You're wrong there, mate, I'm afraid. Mm. I'm going to say good afternoon to a Liverpool and Everton fan who've been in touch this afternoon. They are travelling mm. together, Lexi and Sam. That's nice. Yes. As I said, I'd say good afternoon to them. They are the red and the blue uh, linked uh, together this afternoon. So good afternoon to them. That Uh, is good. Yeah, the the blue half not quite as happy as the red half at the moment. No, well, it's difficult when you have to sell your best player to one of your best players anyway for FFP purposes. Yeah. They've managed to hold on to Calvert-Lewin, which is, you know, should help and... I'm sure yeah. they'll bring in some players as well. And the Gordon thing went all very quiet. Oh, that was, that never, was, gonna that was never really That would be mad. I mean, that so. would be the worst thing. Interesting, James Corden's been in uh, London this week doing his show. Oh, yeah. uh, I believe uh, Ben Winston will yeah. be popping in to see us. Oh, good. In the studio before they uh, head back. Yeah, so oh, right. um, I didn't uh, realize a couple of weeks' time. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I did uh, put in a request there, but that's yeah. good. And uh, he did a thing yesterday, though, with um, at the Globe. They they did a sort of version of um, Romeo and Juliet with ex-footballers, okay. including Neil Razor Ruddock, Paul Merson, Carlton Palmer, Carlton Cole and Rachel Yankee. They're oh. all at the Globe. Well, we- We'll no. find out more about it because Carlton Palmer's on with um, with Adam Cattrall tonight. Yes, so I'm sure they'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, strange thing though to do because I mean, yeah, here it'll mean something, but in America, I mean, do, do people know Merce in America? <laughs> they do, do they? I don't know. I mean, they... yeah, yeah, that was, was good, good stuff. Way. That really. Uh, Andrew Dillon wrote a piece in the Sunday. He said Chelsea fans are happy about Lukaku's loan. I'd say angry would be more. Really? Well, I think people are really annoyed with him and annoyed, you know, that basically they've wasted all that money. And not just wasted the money, but got rid of players to, to bring him in. I think it's a shame. Yeah. But anyway, he's gone now, so... Yes, yeah, so you can just let it go, Andy. Let it go, absolutely. Let it go. They're not going to do you any favours acting like this, really. You can't be bitter. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. 
Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, it's time once again to look at a week of sport on TV in the company of Martin Kellner. I take it straight after this, he'll be off to uh, Castleford Tigers versus Huddersfield Giants with Dean Doris. I'm sure they'll be <laughs> popping along uh, to the match. She loves it. She, she, loves loves the the, she loves the rugby league. Yeah. Well, only the sports yeah. minister, don't worry yeah. about it. Although, when, if, if, I think she may have had a little bit of assistance with a, a post-Fox Paz a tweet where she said, much like Jason Robinson, I seem to have swung. Oh, yes. oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, fair play. I'm sure that was all your own work. <laughs> mm. Mm. So, um, Martin, um, what have yes. you been enjoying on, on TV this week? Well, I've been on the FIFA website. Now, uh, I'm not a regular habitué of the uh, FIFA website, um, but it was recommended to me, uh, Louis Miles has done a documentary called uh, Croatia Defining a Nation, which I don't know whether he's spoke to you about this on the show, but it, it is the only place that you can get it. Wow. But you it, put the hard yards in, Martin, to go and find the I have, FIFA Actually, website. I have put the hard yards in this week, because yes. you, you can go onto YouTube and you get a trailer on YouTube, and then four Unfortunately, I'm so techno-literate that I managed to... (laughs) I managed to find it. Um, but it's well worth seeing. I mean, it really, really is worth uh, seeking out. I mean, the, the ironic thing is that because it's the FIFA website, what comes up first of all is a big advert for the packages that they run to go to Croatia and the fine hotels, oh, right. swimming pools, movie <clears throat> stars, all that stuff. Um, and then, of course, we're deep into this desperate, desperate war mm-hmm. uh, in uh, former Yugoslavia, which Martin Bell, who um, is one of the talking heads on this, 
Griffiths. You remember the guy in the white suit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. BBC correspondent. He said he'd covered 18 wars because, as you know, he was a war correspondent. He said he'd covered 18 wars. This was the most brutal. I've never seen such systematic brutality being practiced by man against man, which sort of brings it home to you. I mean, how remarkable it is that, uh, you know, Croatia got through that, Croatia and Serbia, I suppose, got through that and uh, so many talented footballers. But it starts off in the Republic of Yugoslavia, which uh, had been kept together by uh, Marshal Tito, um, the the wartime leader. But it was, you knew that uh, obviously when the the Berlin Wall came down, Mm. 1989, that uh, the glue that kept, and obviously after Tito's death, the glue that kept it together was going to um, come apart, and uh, you had this dreadful, dreadful war. But what it does from a sporting point of view, it reminds you of how many brilliant players uh, came from former Yugoslavia, yeah. well, mainly from Croatia. Um, Slavon Bilic is the um, is a sort of major talking head who sort of guides you through it. Um, he was 12 years old when uh, Tito, Marshal Tito died, so and was a ball boy. But there was uh, a lo- the establishment as far as the Yugoslav football went was in uh, Belgrade, mm. and that was where the the split was between the two teams in Zagreb. Um, particularly Dinamo Zagreb, brilliant, uh, brilliant team, and uh, the two teams in Belgrade. Well, I mean, Red Star, you think of that early uh, yeah. 90s Red Star yeah. team with you know, Panchev that and Prozanetsky and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic side, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and obviously, he, he uh, points at the uh, the great Croatians they had. Uh, Ciro Blazovic, I don't know mm. whether you remember, he was the uh, the manager um, who took them? It was a bit, in a way, the story was a wee bit like that. You know, I was talking last week about that 1982 Scotland team that yes. won a youth tournament mm. yeah. in I've, I've Finland. Ali Russell also talking that documentary. So it's a lovely documentary. I've, I've downloaded yeah, it to watch. It, Pat Nevins. Uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds really good. It's excellent. But you know, you, you know, we were saying that the bonding and the glue that uh, that sort of bound those youth players together can be used or it carries through to the senior team and when you look at some of the youth players who played for um it was in 87 they played in chile in the youth world cup uh, brilliant but people like uh, robert prosinecki yeah. uh, boban shuka of course um, obviously, Slavon Bilic himself, people like that. Who uh, and the, the manager was was quite a figure. Are you familiar with this guy? Yeah, um, yeah, yes, Miroslav Blazovic. Yeah, always used to wear a white silk scarf. Not something you could imagine, say, Sam Allardyce carrying. Do you think so? No, so no, he wore this white silk scarf. Maybe you could come back with that. Yeah, Neil Warnock had a white scarf. Yes, not silk, though. You you know, it'd be more polyester. It sounds good. It's a shame. I mean, it's a shame that they're on. I mean, you know, no disrespect to the FIFA website, but it's a shame that this is not got a slightly wider audience. It's certainly worth uh, seeking out. And I mean, in a way, the um, there was a, a match between. It's bizarre that football was going. On while um, all this was bubbling under, yeah. but there was a match on May the thirteenth, nineteen ninety, between uh, Dinamo Zagreb and uh, Red Star yeah. Belgrade, famous, which isn't it? Yeah. yeah, famous match, and obviously May thirteenth is a famous date in Croatian history and all that. Uh, Boban hit a, a policeman. You know the the, yeah, the compass was right. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he was banned from going to the 
uh, to the World Cup. So, um, and, and in a way, football was, I mean, it wasn't quite, I mean, it was going to happen anyway. It wasn't quite at the root of it all, but football did play a major part. I mean, Belgrade, uh, I suppose in a way, a little bit, you know, in political terms, a little bit like Madrid to Barcelona, if you like. Um, but, you know, far more than Liverpool, Manchester United or Spurs and Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, it did uh, It did play a part. It played a real part in it. Well worth seeing it. I mean, if not for anything else, just for the, uh, for the footage. For the quality know, of the football. And everything. Oh, yeah, the quality yeah, of the brilliant. football is absolutely fantastic. Well worth, uh, well okay. worth watching. Uh, that's the FIFA website. You can go and find yeah. that. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, you'll find it if you, go into, if you Google it. Uh, yeah. You can get it. But you'll have to watch it on the computer rather than the TV. I couldn't get it on my TV. Now, you like, you like the tennis for betting purposes, oh, I love mainly. the tennis. I've been watching loads and loads of Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I have my uh, beefs with it. My main thing being the Wimbledon centre court crowd. Okay. Oh, God, I hate that. I hate that centre court crowd. Right. What I really hate is <laughs> at the end of the match, they yeah. come out and they all say the same thing. They mm. all say, uh, you guys were awesome. It was awesome. You guys were awesome. And then the Wimbledon Centre Court crowd, which I like to think of as Marks and Spencers at leisure, but the, Wimble- <laughs> the Wimbledon Centre Court crowd, they applaud themselves. Mm, you know, mm. these, you guys were awesome and they all clap. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's now such a ritual and they do it at the end of, um, end of every match. Uh, and I, so I thought in the commentary, I was watching the uh, Serena Williams. That was a fantastic uh, game of tennis. Mm. Uh, Serena Williams versus uh, Harmony Tan. Harmony Tan, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, it sounds like the heroine of a romantic novel, doesn't it? Does, it? Yeah, Harmony yeah. Tan. Yeah, you can mention that in Mills and Bill. I use that factor but, 50. It's really good. Very good. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Very good. Um, there is a tanning shop in uh, Wakefield called Tannerif. Oh, that's nice. Su- <laughs> suggest them they I think change the name to yeah, Harmony that, that, Tan. That's quite a rich scene when you open that. And really, you get a oh, guess tanning, tanning salons. salons yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tanfastic. There's yes. a few of those. Um, um, but. Yeah. I, my view was they missed the story. The commentary was uh, Martina Navratilova and Johanna Conta. And they were going on and on and on about uh, Serena, Serena this, Serena that. And yes, yeah, she's a fantastic champion. Brilliant performance and all that. But I think they missed the story. I mean, obviously, they didn't know Harmony Tam was going to win. But the story was, I mean, she's a child of uh, Vietnamese, Cambodian uh, immigrants in uh, Paris, very young, very new. And she beat Serena Williams. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you went to a football match and it was, uh, well, I don't know, Spurs versus Cambridge United or whatever, yeah. you would, um, the sto- and Cambridge United won, Max the would story would... Yeah, I'd, I'd sit with Max, probably. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That would be interesting, yeah. <laughs> But you would, though, wouldn't you? You know, yeah. the story would be the the underdog winning, but yeah. at Wimbledon Well, if somehow, Harmony Town was British, uh, of course, it may have been slightly different <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. it may have been. Although they they do, you know, the the champ they have figures that they really love the uh, the commentators there, mm. um, and uh, you know they tend to well, Johanna Conson never shut up about the energy that Serena was taking from the uh, centre court crowd and how much they love her, and they all they all go on about the energy they get from the crowd, mm. and it's like the crowd is almost the main character in this, <laughs> and uh, well, that paid me, a lot of money, Martin. They have paid a lot of money, that's true. <laughs> as indeed the crowd at Glastonbury did as well. Yeah. You know, so. um, we got... is more Waitrose, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rather than Marks and Spence. Have we got time for Lance on Disney Plus? Is this not the, I Disney, just want... the Disney version of the Lance Armstrong story, an animation, is it? 
Uh, no, it's not. That's oh, okay. a hell of an idea, though. Yeah. Um, no, the, this is the same one that was on BBC Two. I just wa- oh. thought with the Tour de France uh, coming out, it mm. might be worth reminding people that they do want to see it and they missed it when it was on BBC Two. It's yeah. a great documentary. Yeah, it is good, yeah. uh, it's now on Disney Plus. So when you go on Disney Plus to watch uh, Get Back uh, or whatever you're watching on there, <laughs> uh, you can find, you go down, they're not plugging it. It's not on the front page of the, uh, of the website or anything, but you can find it. And it's well. Some great moments in the bit that I love is one of um, one of Lance Armstrong's colleagues on the U.S. Postal uh, team mm. um, says um, it goes through the different uh, riders and says, uh, and it's the fant- most fantastic use of racial stereotypes I've ever heard. He says you've got to watch the Belgians; um, they're quite clever. Spanish, meanwhile, they're modest, quite humble, unpretentious. Italians, now they're loud, vain and outrageous. The Germans, Poorly. guess what? They're very organised and structured. Wow. And he goes through all the uh, the French. He says, uh, slightly superior. They think they're they think they're better than everyone. <laughs> of course. So uh, if you didn't know all that already, but also makes the point that there's. He says, I've never met more weird people than American cyclists. <laughs> in that, it, you know, it's not your logical choice. American cyclists are automatically um, outliers. You yeah, know, if yeah. you're going to cycling in America, it's not a natural choice. Uh, when you think I mean, there was that film Breaking Away mm, years ago love that film it's yeah. a great film isn't mm. it which makes that point about um, Americans who take up cycling in a big way uh, you're back um, at 1am Martin absolutely I'm back at 1am it's yeah. ridiculous isn't it man of my uh, vintage but well, well, it'll I'm be, back at 1am back, back at 1am tonight and tomorrow mm. you know what I mean yeah. so we look forward to that good to talk to you Martin thanks very much thank you cheers boys the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast there we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll, uh, well, we won't do it all again on Monday because we're both off next week. Yes. So um, we'll leave you in very capable hands, as always, uh, and we'll be back a week on Monday. But uh, I'm sure the podcast will still be available, so keep listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.